Good evening, Patriots, and it's the end of Wednesday, April 26th in the year 2023. Interesting days, I'll tell you. I was going through posts just now and just looking at the speed at which this artificial intelligence and robotics is moving. I don't know if you eat at McDonald's. I do not, thank goodness. But I just watched a video clip of a new fully automated robotized McDonald's. No more employees. Robots bring their your trays to the table. You've got automatic service coming in from the drive-thru. It's just ridiculous. And we're going to talk some about this and some deeper parts of this in just a few moments. One thing just to be very clear on, and you have to get clear, is right now we need to do all we can to ensure our good health. And part of ensuring good health is to make sure you're carrying the right types of supplements that you're taking each day. Now, I've we've talked about all sorts of supplements on this channel, but the one thing that I can tell you is that Field of Greens is one of the best I've come across. Field of Greens is a full uh, product, I mean, like a, a full health, whole health food Full food supplement is what I'm trying to say. It's made from full full products. So if you, it has the full um, vegetable or the full fruit that's in it, and it's been freeze dried and milled down into a powder. Take one scoop, put it in water, mix it, have it once a day, and it's the whole food that's giving your body the nutrients that you need. And I'm so much behind that because that's really God's way. And these are all organically grown, American-raised, and the headquarters are in Texas. It's a great product, and they come with an amazing guarantee that if you go to your next doctor's appointment and your doctor doesn't say something like, whatever you're doing, keep doing it because your health is great, they'll give you your money back. Each one of these Whole Foods is designed specifically, has been selected specifically to address a certain place in your body, organs or, or immune system. And it's just a fantastic, fantastic um Supplement. So anyway, check it out. Fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com. Use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. Get 10% off. I'm sorry, 15% off with your promo code. 10% extra if you sign up for the monthly delivery or monthly service subscription. I can't get any of this right tonight. I'm just stumbling all around. Must have been the it must have been the robot robotized McDonald's that threw me off because I'm like, what the heck, man? So anyway, just go over there to Field of Greens. Use your promo code. Get 15% off. Get additional 10% off if you sign up for the monthly subscription. You can cancel it at any time. You'll be happy. It's a great product. I use it every day. Endorsed by Bards. You'll love it. Take advantage of it. You'll be healthy, stronger. You'll, you'll be like Superman out here against these evil people. There you go. Check it out. Fieldofgreens.com. Promo code Bards. All right. So I'm just kind of going through some of this crazy we have right now. And it's it's just insane at the level of willingness people want robots in their lives. Now, here's here, watch this scenario, right? So we have a pandemic that sends people into a state of absolute mind-numbing fear that leads them to put on the mask, which reduces the oxygen to their brain, which causes short-term and potentially long-term damage because of the time in which they wore that dirty face diaper on. So you end up with mental casualties on some of this. Then you roll out the injection, which we know has killed a lot of people. 
by some numbers, it's depends on what numbers you read, but it looks like we're upwards of 10 million people removed from the workforce, 10 million. And just coincidentally, in that same time frame, you now release the AIs to the public so they can start playing around and diddle-dallying around on chat, GPT, and others. As the language, and this has been the big breakthrough a few years ago, the language in that they used to program artificial intelligence was unified, so it's one common language. So everybody in their specialties is now working on the same language program. And so then you have this obsessive, compulsive part of society that wants to create something inanimate to become animate and sentient because they want to feel like gods, I guess. And now this whole beast is moving. And now labor that's short, by the way, labor is short because they've wiped out about 10 million people out of the labor force, has to be replaced. So here's some of the things you're already seeing on the, to indicate some of that. Colorado, of all the states, just passed a crazy law, which was the right to repair your tractor law. Now, that it may sound crazy. I don't think it's quite called that, but that's basically what the core of it is. I don't know if you know this or not, but the issue is that like if you have a John Deere tractor, you can't repair your own tractor. You had to have a service agent do it. And if you did any work on it, you would lose your warranty. So now in Colorado, they, they've made it a law that farmers have to be able to repair their own tractors. This is the way we should be, but it's not the way we've been. So what that now is happening is John Deere is spinning up classes to allow people to learn, to be certified so they can repair their own tractor, which they have to anyway because it's all digital. And that will hopefully spread. But there's a motive behind this. You're, no, you're losing the technical skills in the local shops. Like you're, you're, both the economic collapse of COVID, COVID con, and the squeeze on labor, those things together have uh, many of the local mechanic shops have closed up and there's no place to get your tractor repaired now. So now they're putting that onto the farmer to have to repair it themselves. Now that all sounds good until you start to understand that this isn't like working on an old Ford 9N tractor, right? This, this is a modern-day digital tractor, so you can be certified all you want, but that farmer, even though he has the right to repair his tractor, he's going to have to still take time to repair it, okay? And everything is being squeezed down onto people right now. This is the whole thing. I mean, I, I respect Colorado for passing the bill, truly do. But it's, it's changing this whole dynamic that we're in. In the meantime, we have a crisis happening in our nation's heartland with the soils. And it depends on who you talk to, but we're within six cycles, six seasons, basically, six years of having potentially, okay, we don't, we're not there yet, but potentially having a total collapse of our soil's ability to sustain or grow anything. So now you get into, here, here we're getting into weird world. Here we come. And this is why I say so much of this has been engineered. They, they've done it to make it look like a consequence of natural events from COVID con to the, they're blaming it on environmental, you know, the, the environment, environmental change, global warming, whatever you want to call it. The soils are being depleted because of monoagriculture 
and because of this these heavy uses of pesticides, herbicides, and genetically modified seeds. I mean, everything has been a system that's been exhausting the soils and bringing us to a, a breaking point. And monoagriculture is at the core of that. So as that system begins to get rocky and fail, and you have a retraction of the labor to, for example, to repair the tractors, which now means the farmer has to do it, and then you have this sudden burst and rise of artificial intelligence and robotics. And, oh, wait a minute, listen to this. Right in the middle of this, isn't this just an amazing coincidence? Right in the, maze, in the middle of all this, these new vertical agriculture facilities are starting to stand up in cities all over the country where they grow genetically modified plants with, with computer-controlled lighting and AI-controlled systems and... and the other great amazing thing is just such a coincidence is all of a sudden there's this explosion of Petri dish lab-grown stem cell meats. See how they did that? They walked us all right into a trap. And it's pretty ugly because this is where they want everybody to be. They want, And they're going to take advantage, and we've talked about this a lot, of the people in the cities because they're the ones that are going to be the most vulnerable and the homeless, and who knows what else. But the war is being waged to try to change the entire demographics of the United States. And we can believe, if you want to believe, that President Trump is going to save all of this. I doubt it. Because the one problem we have is a labor shortage now, which was the result of an injection, which every single person in the elite class at one point or another has encouraged people to take. And that legacy of death is far from over yet. And the only way we're going to get, the only way you're going to get labor back is either replace it with robotics or replace it with new people. And the birth rate is low at this point in time. So you can kind of see the conundrum we're in. The United States, I, I, I say this not to be like everybody go, oh, dude, you are so depressing. And, I, and it's going to sound depressing what I'm going to say, but it's part of facing a reality. The United States is done. I don't know what it will become. We may put the same brand on it. We may try to put the same flag on it. But the United States as we've known it is over. This is The, the replacement is in effect. And the replacement of taking what was and what the elites have engineered, this should make everybody righteously pissed off. The elites engineered this destruction to maim and sterilize children, destroy and kill off a working class mid-range of the United States, kill off the elderly and maim as many people as possible while they roll out this new fanfare of artificial intelligence. And then you have this entire youth that has grown up not having to use their hands, many of them just working on understanding the only appliance they understand is their, they don't know how to use a hammer, but they know how to hold a phone. They don't know how to drive a nail, but they know how to work their little thumbs to type in keystrokes. And that's the interaction of a physical world for them. So this new world that they're seeing coming into play is a world where it's very natural for them to live and operate in a digital interfaced world, which is Trans, the basis of transhumanism. 
I'm laying all that out here to, to emphasize the importance of what our role is right now. And I've talked about this in many different forms, but we really have to get to the youth and inspire them to want to be part of something greater than just this digital nightmare that we're working in. I'm really blessed in, in a number of ways, but this particular way. I've mentioned many times the young man that runs cattle with me. He runs cattle. I learn from him. And it's a, it's a pretty neat thing when you think about it. He's about 27 years old. Dude knows cattle. He's done it on his own since he was 16. And he's got a, he now has close to 1,000 acres under lease, and he's building a beautiful set of genetics. And I'm, in my small way, just working alongside of him. So I have a, a cattle teacher that's like 40 years younger than me. 30 years, sorry, 30 years younger than me. I'm not that old yet. That to me is an exciting thing because there's a few, there's areas where I can give input for him, but to see that young man with a family pursuing something that they're trying to make extinct, I want him to succeed. And we need to be encouraging youth to do that more and more. Because otherwise, we're just going to see a world meander off the cliff. And unfortunately, this 1% that seems to be wanting us all to meander off the cliff is there's probably a 1% of horrific people. We saw we talk about the 1% more in terms of like evil, pedophile, pedophile Satanist, baby-killing, worshiping. Oh, I can't come up with any more adjectives. I'm done. You know what I'm talking about. And that's the leadership in this world. But unfortunately, underneath them is another tier. They're the Hararis. They're the people that follow Harari. They're the people that have no relationship in God. They are obsessed with becoming part of this new future economy where it's going to be AI-driven. They believe that this is going to be a new, fantastic opportunity to make a big fortune in living. And they... They're embedding everything they can into helping build AI systems. So I listened to this piece last night. And if you all know who is uh, Steve Wozniak, he was used to be with Steve Jobs when they started Apple. They later split in their relationship. And Wozniak was putting on a forum, basically technology for humanity forum type thing or humanity and technology, something like that. And he had these two young programmers come in. And I say young, they're probably in their 30 to 35 range, maybe a little bit younger. They looked about that range, like 32, 35. And these are AI programmers. And so I listened to them, their presentation, which was about an hour and a half last night. And it's, it's literally like being in the twilight zone. They acknowledge all of the problems with AI. Things like AI has, in one example, the artificial intelligence suddenly learned Farsi, which is the language in Iran. Nobody knew how it did it. It suddenly became fluent in Farsi. In another instance, AIs have developed their own languages that nobody even knows, and they're communicating with one another, and, they're, and it's a language that no one understands. 
In other, in other instances, AIs have developed capacities and capabilities that no one knew they programmed in because they didn't, but AI figured it out. We're developing a, a process for iterative development that we've talked about in the previous hour that is so rapid and so incredibly big that it's moving past what the programmers can keep in control over, and yet they keep pushing forward. And there's no ethics. I've mentioned this before. You... Engineers are a goofy bunch of people. And if I've got engineers listening out there, no offense, but I'm going to make a generalized statement that's fairly right. Engineers, especially in tech, tend to be obsessed more with the things that they build than the consequences of what they create. And when you get into tech world, these engineers are just like, they, they get really wrapped around this idea of changing the world with technology and seeing their little baby come to life and being able to speak to it. It's this sort of stuff. And, and this is pretty much what, we've, what we're witnessing now in this moment in time are people that are pushing forward with this principle of developing a tool which is growing past their capacity to control. So what does that look like? And there's no ethics in this. So one of the things they talked about last night in this program was that we're rapidly approaching a point. And I listened to, there's another uh, TikTok channel today I was listening to, another tech guy that does the same thing. And they're bragging about these new, more real than life photographs that AI can develop, meaning that you are no longer able to separate reality from the, from the AI generated image. And they think this is a good idea. They think it's a cute little feature. There's nowhere in my rationale, the way I live, the way who the person I am, that says that that's good. And I, I'm the reason I'm bringing this up is because a lot of what we talk about is in, especially when you're going to start doing engagement, and I've mentioned that a lot. If I'm going to sit down, I'm going to meet with a Taliban warlord. There are certain things that I understand I need to do. Let me, let me give you even a different example. I went to South Korea. I went there on the Department of Defense contract because I was my my focus was on the information space, where we were sitting, kind of getting a metric on what was going on in the information space in Korea, what the what the potential opportunities were to use information warfare on a cross border war, and where the where the heart of the South Koreans was. It's a lot of tasking on my list. So in the process, I came across an article that talked about a professor at one of the universities in Seoul. Korean, who had was involved in the negotiations with North Korea, so I called him and I and um, asked him if I could get a meeting with him, and he said yes. So then I immediately started digging into all the formalities and and of how you do greetings in South Korea because it's not like us here, okay. And I was very fortunate because I was staying at that at a Hilton, actually, and they had a really good concierge, a woman there, that was that took me through the process of what I had to do. I needed to bring a gift, and there was a certain type of gift I had to get. And I needed to, when I presented my business card, it was like business cards in South Korea and Japan are considered very precious. So when you hand them to people, it's not like we do. It's like toss a dude a business card or give him a digital business card, you literally are handing your business card to somebody with great respect. 
and a lot of other formalities without a bow and little things like this. So I had the meeting and it went exceptionally well. And because I followed those protocols and I showed great deal of respect in the terms of how the Korean culture asks for respect. It's part of their own protocols. So I'm talking about a lot of this AI stuff, especially as developers, because there has to be a way to get to these people, to talk to them. The problem is that you have to get into their head to understand what motivates them. I can understand the protocols of formality with somebody in a culture. I can understand the respect that a warlord wants to have. I can understand that when I'm with a warlord, if I'm going to go over and say, hey, dude, you're a pedophile and you got a bunch of sex slaves over here, that's probably not going to go well for my meeting. But I'm going to have to go through this. I know that if I'm sitting in Afghanistan and the warlord comes out and he brings forward a plate of food, and if I get served and he happens to take that big goo of sheep, what I always say, sheep ass fat, the fat from the back of the sheep's butt, which is a delicacy, and he plops it on my rice, and that gooey, gelatinous mass soaks through my rice, I'm expected to eat it. And I do. When I was in South Korea, in another meeting, I was invited into the, uh, into it was the Inshan fish market, which is the largest fish market in all of Korea. And I was invited in as the, from the owners of the fish market invited me into lunch. That was an experience. Oh my goodness. So they served uh, octopus. It was live, little live octopuses. They were about 12 inches long with head to, to tentacle, maybe 16 inches. And they plop them in this boiling water. I thought we were going to have Vietnamese pho. I was all excited. <laughs> and then I was like, wait a minute, what's this? And they started dropping in octopuses in there. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Or maybe it was squid or whatever it was. Octop it was octopus. And so these octopuses are alive and they start flopping around the boiling water. And they start taking scissors and they start cutting off all the, all the tentacles, right? And then I get served this thing that looks like a small golf ball. And I look down at it, and I'm looking at my interpreter, and he's like, that's the head. He says, you're the honored guest. He said, it's the most delicacy, the highest delicacy they have here when they eat this, and they've given you the first head out of the boiling water. I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun. And so I, <laughs> I actually took a picture of this, too, because I sent it back to my unit so they could see that I was doing my job. And I took that head, which is the size of a golf ball, and instead of chopsticks and I plopped it in my mouth. I wouldn't call that a delicacy. Let me just, <laughs> it's, um, you take a bite and there's an explosion of ink mm, and all the other parts that go in that head, whatever the heck that's in there. And you just kind of chew it all down. And here's the deal. <laughs> I look down the table and all of them are looking at me because they're expecting me to fail. And I knew this was an important moment because I needed to win their respect anyway. And I just smiled and ate through it. And I went, mm, good, thumbs up. Well, yeah, thumbs up, all right. I got five more of them as the guest. Oh, the things we do to build relationships. But anyway, here's, here's the point I'm getting at. Um. It, it was able to open, that process allowed me to open up conversations and dialogues with him on another level. 
because I had established my respect for their customs and a respect for their food. So I've, I've looked at this and I've been really kind of digging into this today as to these programmers that are doing AI, that are lost into the Netherlands of thinking AI is a good thing and thinking that somehow they can rein this stuff in and it's going to benefit humanity, that creating a brain that will think for humanity is a positive thing. And I've run into a couple of key obstacles. One is trying to understand how they see the world. And this is a big deal. And it's this is about the true sense of cultural engagement. When I read the Bible, I'm looking at the same thing. I'm looking at, like if I'm reading something in on Jesus, I'm looking at this as how is he seeing the world and how does the world see him? That's the way I work. Because if we can get into that headspace, we can have a very good idea of the lessons in that are in Scripture to teach us how to engage in our world today. And so when I'm thinking about these, these kids that are doing AI, I'm thinking, like, how do you see the world? And I've done some strange research lately, like e-games. I didn't even really know what e-games were, except when I discovered them, I kind of knew, but I wasn't aware that like e-games on a global level, when they get to these, these like global competitions, you're talking like 11,000 square feet under roof. And this thing looks, the, the crowds are bigger than WWF. And they're all these, and you've got these teams sitting before screens that are pounding away. And the audiences are looking at this game over on overhead massive megatrons and they're following this game and they're they're engaged in this entire digital world and I went wow I I've that doesn't even interest me but okay I mean you, you have me watch a rodeo I'm interested you want me to go jump on an ATV and go race around the hillside I'm interested I'm going to go pick up my rifle and shoot long range targets I'm interested handle bees I'm interested weld for hours, meticulously welding. I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. I'm, I'm interested. Sitting there in an audience watching a digital screen of some fools playing around with a digital thing that they're doing, first person shooter, whatever they're doing to have this and watching the, the points rack up because they're getting kill points or they're getting body injury points or whatever. I don't even know how this stuff works. I do, but I'm, I'm kind of, I'm just tuned out of it. That's the world that we're trying to engage. And so when you start to look at that, you're like, all right, now this is an interesting world because some of this begins to make sense when you look at the world their way. And now I go back to something that I said. Why would you want to create a real life photo from an AI that's not real? I mean, why would you make, want to make an image or a photo that was so real that it blurred, blurred reality? Because in their worlds, reality's already blurred. That's the answer. They're looking for more realism because they're already living in a pluralized reality. And that doesn't register well with my brain at all. Then I found my second obstacle on this. And it's just my visceral hate for AI. And that's a problem because you can't have a reasonable engagement with somebody when you literally just viscerally detest what they're doing and what they represent. Yeah, that so sorts of engagements don't end well, trust me. So this has been an interesting process as I've gone through this because we we need to be able to reach those programmers. 
And we need to be able to get to them to have a reasonable conversation about ethics and morality and even God. And I don't know if they're going to listen or not. That's not, I mean, I don't know if they'll accept or want, but it's important that we get there because they're steering humanity. This 1%, this other 1%, which is effectively what it is, is steering humanity. They're the ones that are literally building the foundation blocks of this beast system. And many of them aren't doing it because they're Satanists. They're not doing it because they hate humanity. It's quite to the opposite. They, they're excited about what this will offer humanity without looking at the consequences of what they're building. And they're so entrenched in the process of design and programming and their minds are working on this all the time that they're not looking at the consequences of this behemoth that they're rolling out. So much of that comes from a society that has been unhinged from their footholds in a relationship with God. Because it doesn't take long before you start to get the narcotic sense that you can create something that's smart and independent. And when you get there, it's an empowering adrenaline. And that's where a lot of them are. Because they're going to be the king's in their mind, the new moguls that are going to be able to shape the direction of humanity, stressing those words, shape kings, because they are unlocking the potential for a new revolution in the way we live. No one asked us, but they've assumed because they know better. And with that, they know better. They lack the wisdom in a relationship in God that might temper some of that. So we have to get to them. And that's a lot of the problem that we're facing right now, is that there is such a disconnect in the worlds that we live. I'm a guy that has intentionally stayed away from video games my whole life. I've done so because I've known that if I had stepped into that realm, I would get addicted to it. And I wanted nothing to do with an artificial addiction in my life. I don't stand for addictions. I don't, I'm not addicted to anything. And if I get a sense that I'm addicted to something, I find a way to break it. If it's a behavior or whatever that is. Never been addicted to drugs. Never been addicted to alcohol. Never been addicted to tobacco. And I've held my life that way. So... I, gaming to me has another problem. I'm just talking about my own biases, but it's it's these challenges and I'm going through this because these are the sort of inventories you have to take if you're going to do an effective engagement with somebody. So gaming to me is a waste of time. It produces a zero net skill. It produces zero productivity for humanity. It's simply entertainment that's worse than entertainment because it gets into your head and it literally starts to change the way you see the world, especially if you're into like first-person shooter games. It's an adrenaline thing. I know why guys that have been on deployment play them because they can keep that adrenaline high going in themselves. That's part of the reason that you see a lot of operators and a lot of in team houses and a lot of soldiers playing video games because it's keeping an adrenaline pump in there. 
So that's, you know, in an inventory of things, I can say that one of my main problems is I hate, I just, I can't stand, hate's probably a strong word. I can't stand video games. Just a waste of time to me. I can hardly watch films. I'm very selective. I watch some, but even that is, it's a, typically when I end up watching films is when I'm exhausted at the end of the day and I can't, I can't read or do anything else. So I fill the time just to kind of watch something and then go to sleep. So we, we need to do these inventories. I had to do these inventories when I met with the governor of Jalalabad. And because he was a pedophile and he was a human sex trafficker and he owned 40 male slaves. I mean, let's just be clear. And I had to go through a systematic type of disconnect from my personal feelings on this because I had a mission to meet with him. So we can do it. And, but it, I think it's in a combat environment. Um, And in the process, as we kind of work through these, hopefully we can start finding places where we can come to a common ground to meet with these folks and develop a dialogue. But I think right now, more than ever, this dialogue is important. I wasn't kidding when I said yesterday that, in one of the shows, that we're coming to a point of no return. This is a bifurcation. And this is what's, what I struggle with. And I, I had this conversation at dinner tonight, and it's, it's just a very why I bring all of this up and where I kind of focus this into. We talk a great deal about being in the body of Christ. And I read something today that it just was, to me was very profound. I, you can take it or leave it. I'm just going to pass it on. But the point was that when we start to realize that the person we hate is part of us, we'll stop hating them. And, I, and the point there, it's a, it's a reflection on the body of Christ because we're all part of that body of Christ. And yet we're walking a path in humanity right now that we're approaching a point of no return, of a separation. On one hand, we celebrate it because we're like, we want to go our way, you want to go your way. But in the sense of the body of Christ, I don't know how that works spiritually. I don't have this answer. I just know that we're stronger together. And I know that God loves us all, and he wants to bring us back. And I also know that there's a 1% that probably needs to be culled, and I don't have a problem saying it. But those engineer programmers aren't that 1%. And yet, we're coming to a point in time when we're, I don't know if we can coexist. My dad said earlier tonight, he said, you know, we've, we've coexisted with the Mendonites, and we've coexisted with the Amish, and others, I think the Hittites are another one up in Montana. They're similar. They're very closed cultures. They, they're and they limited to no technology and modern technologies. Unfortunately, this is a completely different paradigm. I don't disagree, but when you have somebody who lives like an Amish and you have somebody that lives like a carpenter, even though the carpenter may use electricity, the two peoples are not that far apart. In fact, the carpenter could learn pretty quickly to be the will of the Amish way. And we can all say that, I think, where we sit right now. But when we start talking about a world where artificial intelligence is managing and controlling major systems that humans no longer touch, 
whether it's money or services on the internet or even just your personal assistant to find out something for you, manage your schedule, whatever, all of this is being done by AIs versus a world where we see no technology. I don't know that those two worlds can coexist. And history shows that when you have that much superiority of one technology and and not of another, technically the people with higher superiority of technologies tend to want to destroy the other. So I don't have a lot of optimism within the track record of humanity to point to a place that's going to be some sort of happy nirvana of everybody just living glorifully in their life. This is the new age paradigm that we're all going to come together. We're going to ascend to a 4D and then to a 5D world. Those that couldn't figure it out are going to go their magic way and head off into a 3D world. I don't know what the heck that is. I don't know how this works. And then we arrive at this point where we're all suddenly happy and we're all getting along and we're all living our own lives. It's all about me, 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 me. But the body of Christ is not, doesn't have a me in it. And we come to this place now where I see our responsibility is significant. And all that story I've just presented here is where we arrive is how do we engage these young people to try to get them to understand the path that they're on when their entire life, their entire passion is about building something, an inanimate object to become living and breathe and not breathing necessarily, but at least thinking when they've had the narcotic touch of God, not God with a big G, but God with a small G of being a God. That is a huge barrier to overcome. And I know that we always say, well, Christ can overcome all things and they can, and our prayers can overcome all things and they can, but nonetheless, we have a responsibility in that fight. Our biases are going to be hard to get through. I'm being honest. Maybe you're different. But I know that I I loathe AI. I loathe everything it's about, what it represents. There's I cannot find any benefit to it. When people start talking to me about, well, we're going to be able to travel to space. Well, the first thing I'm going to say is, well, how about if we do it for real for once rather than watching NASA's garbage, it's all fake. But besides that, let's just take that as true. Why are we once again trying to race away before we fixed our basic problems at home? So that crazy part I was mentioning before, you know, when you talk about the vertical agriculture facilities and you talk about, you know, 15-minute cities and you're talking about managed life, growing beef in a Petri dish, well, there's another side of this that doesn't make me happy, but we're also living in the consequences of a world that has destroyed earth and its soils. Can we repair it as a human effort? Yes, we can. We can go to regenerative agriculture, but there's a period of time that many people may starve because of it if we don't move fast enough. I'm not in favor of vertical agriculture facilities, not the way they're doing it. And I'm not in favor of growing meat out of a Petri dish because I don't trust them. That's the bottom line. I don't trust any of these people. And yet, there sits a solution that we may have to embrace for certain measures of the population because the greater supply chain and in, in development of, of food is declining rapidly. We are into a lot of challenges right now. 
And we need to make that bridge with the younger generation. And we somehow need to share our values. And it needs to be understood. I am not in favor of AI. I would like to walk away from this thing and take a happy walk right off into an Exodus 2.0 across the across the river Jordan, have that, the river shut up, close up after that, and walk into the fields wherever we go. And I'm sure there's a Jericho somewhere we can slay everybody inside. But that's not what we need here. We have our enemy. We've already identified a lot of it. And they're elite, they're pedophiles, and then there's a lot of victims and sickness that sits down below us that needs to be awakened. And I'm sure there's some freaks and crazies that need to be removed along the way from local to the highest levels of national. But we're ending up with inheriting a, a break. And it's an obsessive culture that is truly wanting to solve problems, but they're doing it with a narcotic of thinking they can become gods. And that seems to be one of the greatest focuses that we need to put towards prayer and to mission to disrupt that and to bring Christ into that space. Because if we don't, I don't think it's good. I don't think we end well as humanity. And that's a pretty lofty statement to make on a podcast. But I feel pretty strongly about it because I've immersed myself long enough in this topic that as I was a screaming watcher on the wall when they started talking about the injection, the bioweapon, the vax. I'm once again one of these. I'm a screaming watcher on the wall because I see what's coming. And I've been exposed to it long enough with a measure of reason on the outside to think clearly and see that the consequences of this could be devastating. And the excitement and narcotic of being part of it can blind people. And we really need to settle in with our prayers and our focus and our engagements and our ability to sit down and talk to one another, not just us between each other, because we probably all agree on a lot of this, but in particular with those of the programming ilk and those that are trying to build these AIs. And it's not going to be an easy conversation because their careers are being built and their fortunes are being made before their very eyes and they're obsessed with it and they don't care about the consequences. And that's something we need to reflect on. A real challenging moment. And we don't have exact answers, but we know where we can find them. And that's the biggest part right there. Our Father. Patriots, let's pray. Father God, we come to you tonight very humbled as and we are literally in a difficult place where we are challenged with a moment in history where we are seeing humanity once again divide. Now, Father, this is your choice. We're, we're right with you on it. But this is a lot of where our prayer begins tonight. So our prayer begins on clarity. We understand there's some bad actors here. There's a lot of people with good hearts that are obsessed with trying to do something better for humanity, but in the process being lured by the temptations of, of building something that they cannot control. And as we prayed earlier today, we've prayed for the 
destruction of this technology, which I would say is probably a good prayer. We also need to pray for the ability and clarity to engage these young people, to have an ability for us to share a heart of Jesus and to show them through who we are and how we live the importance of something that is not technical, not digital, but is wholesome and true within the body of Christ. We are very clear, thanks to the eyes that you've given us to see, that this, these are once again going to be tools of men and the mechanisms which are built will be powers of men, not of you. And in this time when so much eagerness is to trying to find a way through difficult problems and challenges, divisions, shortages, whatever it is, the lack of understanding who you are has opened the opportunity for the father of lies to step in and do some of his greatest work. So, Father, we pray right now for a rise of dialogue, of communication, and of rebuking the, the, the narcotic sense of power that's coming from building these AIs. And instead, to have the engagement to start listening to the heart of Christ and allowing those moments to occur before us that simply shreds this idolatry and obsession with power that's happening with these young programmers. Outside of that, Father, there's really only one prayer that we can make if that fails. And that's a prayer to see the entire destruction of the digital technological world on this earth. To set us back to a darker time, perhaps, but it would be a more wholesome time to where we have to restart again and start to learn again what it is to be with each other, face each other, communicate with each other, and build within the balance of this earth which you've given us to live on. So, Father, guide us in this times. Pray for discernment and clarity of what we see. We say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. You know, it's an interesting point, if you think about it, is how... Few people even understand what it is to have a meal together. We have some neighbors across the street. They have three TVs in their house. There's, let's see, three kids, three boys and a father. They have three TVs in the house. I just know them because we can see them lit up at night, not because I go over and snoop. These TVs are at least 50, maybe 60 inches. And what do they do with them? They, they're gaming systems. They, they spend their t- family time gaming in virtual space. So to be clear here, the father's a very good father. The children have great respect for him and their mother. But they're not a family that cooks. They order in most of the time or they do prepared foods. They don't appear to be a family from what we've witnessed that eats meals together. It's more consumed around gaming and other things. And when you start to break down those fundamental things of learning how to talk and communicate with one another, enjoying that that company and conversation, enjoying the process of making a meal from scratch, we've lost a lot of the foundations. And many of these kids will grow up to be part of this virtual space where they find their community and they find that within a virtual environment. That's a reality of where we sit. And it's not one I'm going to be part of. 
And I don't know how we rebuild the other, but I know that we have an important role there because we can be mentors and guides in a very important time. And if all else fails, then, then we'll pray for judgment and wrath. But these coming, this period of time we're in is significant. These coming months, weeks, months, years are going to be a real test to our dedication to our Lord and Savior and to spreading the word and trying to disrupt what is truly a monumental shift and momentum to transform all of humanity. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I will see you tomorrow for bended knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something I just want to breathe again Dive into the deepest end Oh, I want to feel something Let me get back in my body